Hey everybody, Veteran Lucas here. Just wanted to give you all a quick heads up on this episode. Uh, Professor Collins usually is the one doing our sound mixing when it comes to music, but since he's busy with his family, we currently don't have any music playing on the background. If you guys have a problem with that, we'll put it back in. If you guys don't care, and maybe we'll keep it out. Less work for us, which means more work on episodes. So let us know if you care. If you don't respond, we'll just assume you didn't. Alright, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Science Pokemon Podcast, Florida Man Edition. Oh, God, no, it really is, isn't it? Yes, Professor Collins is gone. Let the banjos and alligators commence. Alright, guys, in all seriousness, welcome to the Science of Pokemon. I'm Veteran Lucas. With me, as always, Fisherman Don. If you're expecting Professor Collins, on our last episode, did a bit of talking about it. He's got some. Really big family stuff going on. He will be back. But for now, as Fisherman Don said, welcome to the Florida Man Show. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be – how have you been, Don? What's up with your life? I've been pretty well. Um, just got some new clownfish over at Reef of Palooza. It's a good time. God, I love that everyone we know, like in Florida, goes to that. My man Nirov's like, "Oh, I just went to Reefapalooza." The people I work with went to Reefapalooza. Everybody's like, "Yeah, do, do you own fish? Yeah, why aren't you at Reefapalooza?" <laughs> oh God! All right, so before we did this episode, I gave you free runs to Don. This is your time. Do whatever episode you want. What did you come up with? All right, so I decided to kind of look at a class of animals that are in a lot of Pokemon games. A lot of them are on your first couple of routes in the games, and uh, it's rodent time, I guess. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do a rat race. We're gonna see the best rat. At least one of them's a rat. Yeah. <laughs> At least one. Okay, fair enough. At least one of them's a rat. All right, let's uh, cue the music. So before we begin up the section, let's go ahead and start up with some news. Uh, let's start with some Pokemon news because it is April, and April is the month of Earth Day. And Niantic, for its second year in a row, decided to um, join up with a group called Playmob. For those of you who are familiar, Niantic is the people who does Pokemon Go. They made it so you can sign up for certain events on Playmob's site. And the more people who participate in their in their cleaning up the earth, in any cleanups, any tree planting, any wildlife rescue, anything like that, you can get increased rewards in the game. So everything from increased ground types to shiny Diglett showing up to even a Groudon showing up at raids, they're actively giving you rewards for helping the environment. That is awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to starting to play Pokemon Go a little bit more again. Um, and I love Diglett; he's one of my favorite just little guys. And I, I like his shiny form, little blue nose, and all that. I, I, everyone wants to know what's underneath. I'm like, no, keep the mystery. He's fine. Yeah, leave he's it alive. Yeah, the best alive. is when he uses um, because Diglett can actually use Supersonic Sky Strike, and um, oh god, as a Z move, and he takes off with like a chunk of rock attached to him to keep really? the uh, mystery alive. Yeah. No way! That's yep. awesome! Oh, I'm going to have to look that up after the show. All right, guys, now you all know what you have to do. You have to look up Diglett flying through the air. But no, I, I just think it's really cool. It's not really – I get we don't have any Sword and Shield news, but, I mean, to me, this is almost better because it's like, hey, Pokemon in some aspect is being used to help the planet, and that's kind of what I kind of wanted to strive for here anyway. All right, so what do we got science-wise? All right, so this is just an interesting little article I found. Um, some scientists just the other day were observing these nematodes. Um, I'm going to 
might get this wrong. Uh, Pristinianchus Pacificus, or just uh, P. Pacificus, if you want to make it sound easier to say, um, which is a nematode that's um, somewhere in size between a poppy seed and a sesame seed, so little little guy, um, that lives mainly on scarab beetles, which is a, an interesting choice of habitat. But, you know, you do you nematode. Um, and these ones are interesting because um, they're uh, a carnivorous nematode, and they will cannibalize each other pretty readily. But scientists observing them noticed that these nematodes would never cannibalize um, their kin, which um, normally they're pretty indiscriminate, I guess. And so, so they just when, won't kill their family. Yes, cool. which um, for a nematode, that's like pretty high. It's pretty high class. I mean, when you yeah, when you consider this is literally an animal without a brain, this is something that makes that is the only thing that it's more complex than is a jellyfish. So, I mean, how did, did they figure out why? Yeah, so scientists um, took a look at them in the gene editing uh, engine CRISPR, and they found the gene that they named uh, creatively, you know, scientists. Uh, they just named it Self-1, and um, they found that it's responsible for kin protection, at least in the nematodes. And if they edited that gene, the nematodes would immediately consume their offspring if they were nearby. I wonder what application we could have in that. Hey, everyone, be nicer to your brothers and sisters, or I will CRISPR you to make you nicer. <laughs> Yeah, it could be where we're headed. It'll be something to keep an eye on a little bit. I mean, out of all the things you can CRISPR into people and all the scares of like, oh, genetic editing, I don't have too much of a problem editing my children to be nicer to each other. I don't – Yeah, if there's if there's just a not eating your family setting, I think we could all just have that and be okay <laughs> with it. Yeah, I think – I don't know how much of there will be of like a protest. Like, I want the freedom to eat my family. <laughs> like, how many people would that be? Like – five and they all get round up by the cops <laughs> i mean maybe like i could I, there's gonna be one guy though who gets stuck on a lifeboat with his family and they're <laughs> not gonna be able to have that conversation just to get a little dark with it right here but uh, it we, could happen we're casually talking about cannibalism this is the florida man show now <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, let's go ahead and just get started with rats before we get even more off topic yeah good call <laughs> Alrighty, so I guess we'll open up with, um, when you think Rodent Pokemon, if you're not thinking Ratatata, he's probably at least in the top percentage of Rodent Yeah, it's Pokemon. like, it's the Pokemon. In a lot of cases, you either met a Pidgey or a Rattata first, and that was the first thing your Pokemon killed or caught, one or the other. Also, how do you say it? I've said it different ways my entire life, and I haven't figured out the right pronunciation. I pronounce it Rattata, and I use my American-given ego to assume that everybody else is wrong. I like that. That's my approach from now on. So what, So I guess like birds, like for our other episode on birds, they're a hard thing to talk about when you have them all over the place. You, so where do we even start? All right, well, let's start with the fact that rats, in a lot of places, they're kind of demonized. Um, people see them as dirty. Mm -hmm. Um it's pretty, you know, there's the classic montage of a sewer rat or rats going through your garbage. You're called a rat if you're a bad person. You're a snitch. You're a rat. You're you dirty rat. Like, just all that bad stuff. Exactly. And it's easy to see how they get that, how they get that kind of, like, persona assigned to them. Because people, as a whole, don't really typically have the highest opinion of, you know, organisms that have a scavenger sort of lifestyle. But... Alongside humans, rats are almost undoubtedly, I'd argue, probably the most successful mammal there is. 
they can live almost anywhere, especially with if people are there, there's going to be rats. We pretty much offer them everything a rat needs to be happy. Some good shelter, plenty to snack on. You know, we take boats and stuff around. That's just free rides for them. Anywhere where there's people, there's going to be rats. Yeah, and it's really important to understand that, like, I wouldn't put them on a list of domesticated animals, but if you follow mankind's history, like no matter where they are, there'll be some kind of rodent there feeding on what's left behind. If there are scraps, there are rats. I mean, they take up a lot of us. They take up a lot of the mammal kingdom, mammal group, don't they? Oh, they do. Rodents as a whole take up about 40% of all mammals. Jesus, <laughs> that's... That's, a, that's actually kind of terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. In terms of biomass, um, rats make up a shocking portion of just the overall amount of like mammal life, especially in North America. I mean, in Brazil, we have the capybaras, and they're they're just giant rats. Which I really want a capybara Pokemon. I think you'd Don't be adorable. They are, they're adorable in real life. They can't be any less adorable in Pokemon. No. I mean – even before humans, rodents were doing their thing. I mean, we had giant beavers in North America for a while. Oh, actually, I will say there is one. There is one Pokemon that is noticeably less adorable um, than its real life counterpart, and we'll we'll get to it later. No, no. So with rats, what is what makes them so successful aside from riding on our coattails? So one aspect of rats that you hear people talk about. Occasionally, just just how fast they reproduce. Oh, I remember that. So you weren't around for this, but we did a live episode on electric rats. And for those listening, it's still on our YouTube, which terrible, but it still has our videos. I'm sorry about that. But uh, we did a math problem, and um, I'm gonna everyone gonna get some pen and paper. You two, Don, go scourge around your fish tank, see what you can find. So a female rat can produce, let's say, oh. Every litter is going to have anywhere from 3 to 14 children, 3 to 14 babies. They are all sexually mature in about a month, and a mother can produce 10 offspring a year. Now, using that math, how many babies can one female rat produce in a year? I'm just going to ballpark it and say a bunch. 140 babies. 140 for one individual in a year. That's why they, they can just produce a million of them. Who cares if you kill like 100 of them? That's fine. I'll just give me another year. I'll make more. Yeah, well, in addition to just how fast they breed, uh, rats, they're just inc- an incredibly adaptable animal. They'll, they'll make their homes almost anywhere where they can find a safe little spot to tuck in. They're shockingly good at fitting through tight spaces. And... In a rare evidence of the Pokédex actually underselling an animal, um, in the decks it mentions Rattata can chew through wood, but in real life, rats can chew through lead, cinder blocks, brick and mortar, aluminum, glass, even improperly cured concrete won't stop a rat if he really wants to get through it. For rodents, there are some that rats like the black rat and the brown rat that have been clocked being able to swim about a half mile, and they can chew through steel cable given enough time. What they do is just survive, and they're amazing at it. I think it's also important to note just their impact on our society. And let's go with we talked. You talked about how they're like everyone hates them, but it's European cultures that hate them. Uh, in China, they're seen in the zodiac, the the year of the rat. And it's not seen as like, oh, it's the year of the snitch. It's the year of people who are going to be more creative, more intelligent. The Chinese, at least the ancient Chinese, recognized that this 
animal is crafty it's creative it's clever in india it's considered um a vessel of the um the hindu god ganesh uh, the big the, the elephant god that most people don't recognize any other way uh with ganesh there are even temples that people will leave out like food and milk for the rats and the priests will also eat with them like they'll, they'll just eat with the rats they don't mind the, the dark part of it was when they've been used as biological weapons. We've all know rats, spread the, they help spread the plague. They had the fleas on them, they helped spread the plague. Uh, in Japan during World War II, they used that on the Chinese people that they invaded, and it led to some pretty, some pretty successful, horrible results. Like they, the rats did their job pretty, pretty well. They are used in research, which is still highly controversial. Um, they, they've been used to sniff out gunpowder and other chemicals, and there have been almost – there's no such thing as too many studies, but there have been just about too many studies on rats, like in their behavior and how they socialize and everything. And there's articles about how they remember each other oh, and how they're actually really clean, how they work in a group, how they run through a maze. It's – there's a lot about these animals that people forget. They've been around forever. They just have so much – that we forget about because we think they're dirty. That's it's, not fair. And speaking of sniffing out gunpowder, there's actually um, the case of the, I believe it's the Gambian giant pouch rat, which is a pretty cute rat. I think rats are pretty cute in general, but it's it's a cutie. And um, they've been tra- used in parts of Africa to sniff out landmines. And they're big enough that they're they're big enough that they're easy to follow as they work through the field, but they're light enough that they don't set off the landmines with their body weight. So they can sniff them out clear a field working back and forth and then signal to its its handler where the landmine is so that can be marked and safely removed and it's much much faster than and safer than a person going through with a metal detector trying to just dig them up the old-fashioned way that's so cool i didn't even realize i mean i know they're used for all kinds of weird stuff but i mean i hope this little rant has taught anybody that if you even if you don't like rats you gotta respect them they got some skills oh yeah so I think without further ado, let's lead us into the actual Pokemon and talk about why rodents should be respected and possibly feared. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's start her up. I guess we got to start with the the first rat. Let's talk about Rattata. All right, yeah. So Rattata is an interesting Pokemon in that everyone kind of knows about him. He's a rat. You see him early on. He's everywhere. Genius. Moving on. Next Pokemon. Just a, well, just one second. Um, <laughs> so one thing I like to talk. One thing I like about the Pokédex with Rattata is that it gets a lot of stuff right. Um, they talk about its fangs being long and sharp, and that they grow continuously, so it gnaws on hard things to whittle them down. And that's all exactly true. A lot of ro- I think rodents in general, their um, their front incisors never stop growing. Rodent is actually um, comes from the Latin word, which means to gnaw, uh, because they have to gnaw; otherwise, their t- their teeth will grow past each other and into their own heads, which is that, bad. that's that's incredibly terrifying. When you if you actually think about it, imagine if you literally just had to keep chewing on stuff; otherwise, your teeth are going to pop out your chin and through your nose. That's so stressful. If just be like, then, oh, did you chew your wood today? If not, you're going to chew through your own head. So yeah. Oh, mom, you're just saying that like a year later, just chew through your own head. Timmy's dead. There's no happy story. Just exactly. <laughs> I think it's also important to realize that 
with Rattata, it's like it is pretty much everywhere in the Pokemon game, which and it's near, it's in almost every city. Anywhere there's a rat Pokemon, that's usually going to be in the city near people. It's going to be in the fields as well. They 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 space it out pretty well, and they should. Rats, I mean, rats are one of the most well-known animals out there, so of course they're going to get it right. And like we said, they can chew through just about anything. They kind of have to be able to. Exactly. One thing, too, that with rats, given how fast they breed, how adaptable they are, rats can be absolutely devastating as an invasive species, particularly on islands with ground-nesting birds. That was one of the things we talked about um, back with our Alolan episode in episode two, but go ahead and refresh their memories of how bad it can get. All right. Well, there's been um, – there's quite a few – especially I think there's been some islands in New Zealand where multiple species of ground-nesting birds or reptiles have been – wiped out or nearly wiped out just through European rats that came in on ships onto places where there never were mammalian predators before. And when you see a rat, you don't typically think, you know, big, scary predator. But rats can just, they'll go systematically. Anything that's edible, they're going to eat it and they're going to find it. And not to, yeah, we kind of forgot to mention their pretty good sense of smell, balancing with their tail, the sensory whiskers to see at night. They're perfectly adapted for hunting just about whatever in the case of our lowland episode we talked about how rattata is a dark type because it was brought to the island and it just kind of took over and yongoose you know the the mongoose pokemon that that's all over the place that's also an invasive species and in the real life hawaii they brought mongooses in to try and deal with the rats from the british ships only to have the mongooses be also invasive and also eat the small land birds and everything else out there so terrible idea yeah, no. The, if you guys learn anything from this episode, you do not solve invasive species problem by releasing other invasive species. Exactly. It's a bad idea. Florida does that. Like, oh, God. Just, just why? Why Florida? Like, Florida has enough invasive species as it is. There was one time, speaking of Florida, that it did actually work. And I'll keep it brief since it doesn't really pertain to revenants at all. But peacock bass have successfully controlled blue tilapia in South Florida, despite the fact that they're from two different continents, and it was a terrible idea when it was enacted. But it's it worked out. All right, fine. It worked once. Did y'all can find it? Worked once. It worked once. Gen- All right. So I think it's time. Like we talked, Rattata. We had to get out of the way. We need to talk about a god. We need to talk about the god of Pokemon. We're not talking Arceus. No, far more powerful. Beberil is the god, and we joke about it all the time. They're like, oh, Badoof, Beberil, the god, blah, blah, blah. No, as in, there's a reason why it can learn all these HMs. Respect a deity. Good lord. Beavers are awesome. Especially if they're feeling moody. Boo. Boo! Boo! Get out of my show! I'll do this myself before I let you say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Awful. Terrible human being. Alright, what do you got on beavers? Alright, so beavers are the second largest rodent after the adorable capybara. Mm -hmm. One day, we will get one. It it will happen. I'll make it happen. Probably not in Pokemon England land, but soon. Okay, so... Uh, beavers are, you've heard the phrase busy as a beaver. It's kind of a, it's a pretty common idiom and it's incredibly true. Um, pretty much after humans, no animal really does more to like intentionally change its landscape on a broad scale. Yeah. I once did a thing for one of our Pokemon panels talking about how much, um, 
how powerful beavers were. Beavers were building dams before people were. And for a long time, the largest dam, even after people were building dams, was a beaver dam. I'm going to actually look it up real quick because I forgot how big it was, but it was very big. Okay, let's, uh, look, we'll, we'll pause, folks. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, um, unpause. So the, the world's largest beaver dam is over a half mile long up in uh, Wood Buffalo Park in Canada. And they're, I'm hoping it's protected. Yes, it's in a national park. Okay, then it's fine. Good job, Canada. But so beavers to um, build themselves. So beavers will build a dam over a, like a slow flowing stream or river and use that to slowly build a pond. And they'll build this dam through a cut down, down trees and mud. The kind of slowly cements together and can be very, very strong. And as we said, can get very, very large. And they do this to have a safe flooded area where they can then build their lodge in the middle of it. And a lot of people uh, can like will confuse beaver lodges and beaver dams. But a beaver dam is primarily serves the same function as like a dam for humans, barring you know hydroelectric power. They haven't figured that out yet. But the lodge is purely a living space that typically has underwater entrances, which gives the beavers a safe spot to tuck up into and then go up into an air pocket inside the lodge where they can rest and be safe from predators. So they just pretty much built – they were just building homes all along the river system that were far more complex than the mud, dirt, and twigs we crawled out of. Exactly. They used their own mud, dirt, and twigs. They were better. (laughs) I mean – they definitely are part of our history, though. Like, as Americans, they are a huge part of our history. Oh, yeah, especially the um, the in the northern states. The beaver fur trade in the, uh, like, mid to late 1700s was probably almost definitely the biggest economy, like, biggest driving economic force up in that area. The whole mountain man culture of, you know, trappers going off into the wilderness for 11 months at a time to get killed by grizzly bears um, and getting to wars with each other over it all of that was over beaver pelts and the pokedex from what i've read of it gets pretty much almost all of that down builds dams hard worker all that fun stuff and the dams forming the slow ponds um goes into beavers which are sometimes persecuted because they will cut down trees both for food and larger trees for building um, which doesn't get them a lot of fans you know if you're a farmer just someone that likes nice trees um, but beavers are a keystone species. Um, the shift from a, a river to a pond and that slow-moving water can create habitat for fish, uh, wading birds. Hundreds of animals can, can rely on the stable water supply like one beaver pond. Yes, I mean, it's actually it, – they're there for the environment. They're actually good at what they do. Uh, before we wrap up on beavers, one other fact. Unlike other rodents' teeth, their teeth are coated in iron to help cut down trees. You can actually see the orange strip on their teeth. That's all iron. It's iron enamel. It's awesome. Why isn't Beaveril a steel type is the question. Then. Because it was. it's already too powerful. It's already far too powerful. Alrighty, so I mentioned earlier how there was a Pokemon whose real-life counterpart was much cuter than it. And um, I just – I haven't found anything that I actually like about this Pokemon. And I'm sorry to any fans out there. But uh, I'm going to talk about Pat, Rat, and Watchhog right here. Because I really don't like them, so I'm going to lump them into one. Because they are. They're prairie dogs. And I love prairie dogs. I think they're adorable. And they're way more interesting than Pat Rat and Watchog. I had a pet store near my house that was selling them at one point when I was a kid. I went in for dog food. So I like, those rats? Like, no, they're prairie dogs. You want them? Like, 
No, I know enough that they dig. I don't want them anywhere near me. Yeah, oh, do they dig? Um, they prairie dogs live in massive social colonies um, that can span hundreds of acres in width. And within that colony, they'll live in uh, family groups. And within the family groups, they'll show their like familial affection through like uh, kissing and grooming each other, that which is really uh, pleasant, actually. It is. Also, prairie dogs are invasive in parts of Florida now, because why would they not be? Gosh darn it, man! Why? Why is it our state? Because they were in pet stores, and people got some. I was like, oh, these things are digging up my yard. Might as well throw them in that field. Gosh darn it! Come on, Florida! Come on! Why? Make me feel... Just keep talking. Good God. All right. So, prairie dogs dig... Just like I said, they dig massive burrow structures for shelter from food, or shelter, not from food, obviously, but shelter from predators who would like to make them food, and from the elements, because a lot of places prairie dogs live, um, parts of the American West can have some pretty extreme hot and cold swings, but underground, it's a pretty stable temperature. Um, the Pokedex mentions how Pat Rat and Watch Hog are uh, the scout and the lookout Pokemon, so they're kind of referencing how prairie dogs will appoint sentries who will stand. It's kind of the classic. There's the whole Allen meme of the prairie dog yelling to his buddy and all that. And that's a real thing. Prairie dogs will stand at the mouth of the burrow while other prairie dogs are out foraging for food, watching out for predators. And when they see a predator, they have um, a pretty complex system of like alarm barks to tell that can describe the threat. Um, they can describe how big the, the approaching threat is like the direction it's coming from, how fast it's coming. And then the other prairie dogs will react differently depending on what the threat is. Like it's been seen that if say there's a hawk flying overhead, the prairie dog in his barking will tell the other prairie dogs that there's a hawk coming. And those that are in the direct flight path of the hawk will dive into the burrows. The ones that are out of the direct path will go to the mouth of the burrow and observe to see when the hawk passes or if it comes back around. Um, if a human comes by, all the prairie dogs are going to go in the burrows because they know we're bad news. They don't even take the time to like check us out. Like just like, oh, it's a hawk. It's got terrifying claws and a beak. Ah, we'll wait it out, see what happens. Human, run! Everybody, run and hide. Just get out of here. Yeah, it's a little bit of species profiling on their end. Can you blame them though? Probably not. But even uh, even a coyote or a dog that's running around, they'll actually just fall off. They'll fall back to the uh, the front of the burrow and kind of observe the threat for a bit, see if it gets closer, and then they'll then they'll go in. And speaking kind of, I don't think it's 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 a lot more complex than is with the nematodes, but prairie dogs have shown kin selection with the sentry, um, and sentries will more readily call what they suspect to be about what they suspect to be threats if their immediate kin are nearby foraging you just kind of went on how awesome they are let me take a random guess and assume that pat rat is not exactly that great no um pat rat in the so other than just being the sentry pokemon the dex doesn't get a lot right they talk about communicating with their tails which is way less cool than a complex language of alarm barks yeah, that's the equivalent of saying and going from humans have a bunch of languages to humans will occasionally stomp their feet to say that they're upset or dancing. And their creepy bloodshot eyes, I just don't like them. I just don't like Pat Rat. The, the hypnosis thing is weird. I, I've only heard of one animal that's similar enough to it. There is a species of, um, of weasel of some kind that will actually go about and dance around to hypnotize rabbits and like put them in a trance-like state in order to eat them, in order to hunt them. like that's I've seen a couple of those videos. It's 
a little a little creepy to watch. It makes me really glad that weasels are small. Yeah, I mean, like, can you like? It's pretty scary stuff. But again, and this gets confused. Weasels and ferrets are not rodents. I almost thought they were meerkats when I first saw Pat Rat in its evolution because it was standing tall like one and everything. But no, meerkats aren't rats. They're related to mongooses, and their communication skills are very complicated, as seen on totally accurate animal documentaries called Meerkat Manor. Oh my god, that show was my one part of my Saturday morning lineup for a little bit. I remember that. Yeah, that was um that was a weird time, the early two thousands. That was um It really was. That's just an odd, odd time to be alive. But I'm I'm with Prey Dog. I guess they're a pain in the butt here, but I'm hoping in their environment, like Texas or something, they're actually a lot more useful. So they are, and um, Prey Dogs have had a less than ideal relationship with people. If you're uh, if you're certain types of farmers, you can see them as a pest because they're going to be digging holes in your field. For a long time, there was a concern about horses or cattle stepping in their burrows and breaking legs, but. At least from what I've read, those seem to have been more like there haven't been a lot of documented cases of that happening. But it's easy to see how, you know, if, as a as a cattleman or a farmer, you could be concerned about just hundreds of random holes in your property. I mean, in Florida, we thought alligators were going to eat our cattle, and we shot all of them back in the fifties and forties. So I can exactly. see where that comes from. But prairie dogs, kind of like beavers, their burrows provide a ton for the habitat for the habitat around them. They'll help prevent uh, erosion because it gives the their tur- their tunnels give water a place to drain, and they also prevent soil from being compacted from cattle walking on it. And their constant burrowing and movement of soil kind of actually stimulates plant growth. And it's been shown that animals like mule deer, or elk, uh, you know, kind of the big some of the big charismatic Western animals actually prefer to graze in areas that are also colonized by prairie dogs. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. I, but, I didn't know anything about prairie dogs except for the language thing. I didn't know they did that much. But between the um, the their as their fact that they're considered a pest in some circles, and that they are scarily susceptible to the bubonic plague. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's def- yeah. That, I can't positively spin that. That's a negative on the prairie dog. Yeah. Um. It's less than the rats, which can carry it for a while. It seems to kill them fairly quickly. So um, it's really just very unfortunate for the prairie dogs. They're not likely to start any sort of major plague, huh. but it can really affect them and it can really affect the animals that rely on them. All right. So after that wonderful rant on Pat Rat, we do have time for one more Pokemon. And according to our list, oh, hey, we talked about this one before. This was actually one we talked about another one on our live, ro- our live episode on rodents and electric rodents. Uh, Amolga, flying squirrels. All right. So um, – as everyone should know, flying squirrels don't fly. Okay, fantastic. Ending the episode. Good night, everybody. We're done here again. But wait, there's more. <laughs> All right, so as everyone probably knows, they glide with a, a membrane that's attached to their wrists and ankles. But a little interesting fact about that membrane, they um, have a unique cartilaginous like projection from their wrist bone that forms the wingtip and gives it sort of a rigid edge which lets them kind of steer, and they can use that to actually gain a little bit of lift during their glides. So and they have a built-in rudder. A little bit, kind of on like the front, sort of. Um, but yeah, so it kind of lets them get a little, can gain a little bit of lift a little bit, and um, it's unique. Most other kind of gliding mammals don't have that 
I think I told you about them yesterday. Those terrifying flying lemurs that I learned exist do not have that projection. Oh, come on. Flying lemurs, are, they're fine. It's they okay. Look, they're upsetting to look at. <laughs> so um, a couple of things about them that the Pokédex does get right. Uh, most flying squirrels are nocturnal. And the Ultra Sun entry for them mentions how if you hear a bunch of thunder at night, it might mean there's a bunch of emulgas flying around. Um, but it mentions how they can use their electricity. Flying squirrels aren't electric, as cool as that would be, um, to help prevent birds from attacking them, which is uh, false. That's why they're mainly nocturnal in real life, because it's kind of like if you had a hang glider and you had to fight someone in an attack helicopter or a fighter jet, you're not going to have a good time. If you, all yeah. you can do is glide, even if the person's faster. And flying squirrels, as the deck says, the deck mentions emulga eating bugs and berries. Flying squirrels are omnivores, which when some people think of rodents, they typically think you know eating nuts and seeds and gnawing on things. Mm-hmm. And um, they will nest during the daytime. They really like holes in trees. They'll take on abandoned woodpecker holes. And the decks correctly again actually mentions uh, that emulga will nest in pick-a-peck holes that are it pokes into trees. We've joked about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon as being downright depressing, but they're also downright the most accurate of all the DEXs, and I hope Gallers keeps up the trend, because it is really cool to see just how surprisingly accurate, albeit depressing and terrifying, some of these Will can be. Will get more depressing is the question. Yeah, so here's the thing. do we ha- do we What do we want, fans? Do we want more accurate but depressing or less accurate and happy? Because I, I, I know which one I want. I want the first one. I want, like, accurate. Oh, gosh, this is depressing. But so accurate. Oh, fine. He can be sad. The Pikachu can be sad. It's fine. (laughs) Well, one last bit about them that's not depressing fact that is uh, pretty new. Um, They've learned that at least all three species of the North American flying squirrels um, fluoresce pink under UV light. Um, Normal squirrels don't do this. And no one really knows why um, that they glow pink under UV light. But uh, they do, and it's kind of fun. I saw the picture you sent to me and the professor. We're posting that on Twitter so you all can share my nightmares. Absolutely horrifying creature. Wait, are you posting the squirrel or the lemur? Because the squirrel's adorable. The glowing squirrel or the nightmare creature? Yeah, that. Was that the lemur you sent? I, I couldn't tell. It was glowing. No, I sent, the, I sent the lemur. Okay, that explains it. Because I it, I didn't want to look at it that long. You're, you are right. I, I retract my previous statement. It is very unsettling. No, the squirrel looks like a cute little flying squirrel. He's, like, sitting there, and he's glowing, like, hot pink under UV light. Aw, I need to see that. I'm going to, yeah, pull that up with me later. We're just going to, like, all right, guys, here's this cute thing. Enjoy. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So I honestly think that ending this episode on this one, I mean, yes, there are plenty of rodent Pokemon. There's obviously Pikachu. We could spend hours talking about Pikachu, but Pikachu has been talked to about to death. And so we decided to talk about some of the ones that, especially Patrat, especially Emolga, that aren't talked about as much. And I think that's for everyone's benefit. I honestly think with over 800 Pokemon, we've talked about Pikachu enough. Let him evolve or let him just do his other thing. Um, If you guys, if everyone wants one Pikachu, one rat thing about Pikachu, I will do one real quick. With Pikachu, it has the cheek pouches, and the cheek pouches are designed to hold electricity. But rodents like that, that it's related to the field mouse, don't have true cheek pouches. However, Raichu being a kangaroo rat does. 
being a kangaroo rat, he actually does true cheek pouches, a true way of actually getting food to stay in that face of his, which means he technically could hold more food or more electricity. So there you go, a scientific reason why Raichu is stronger than Pikachu, can hold more electricity. You're welcome. That's the only one I'm doing. There you go. Yeah, the, everyone gets the one, and we can go ahead and wrap up the episode. Oh, that was a fun one again. I'm Thank you, Don, for doing the rat episode. We were planning on doing this, but... It was really good. I'm glad we got to talk about some of the rats nobody cares about. It's a it's a really diverse group of mammals, and there's a really surprising amount of Pokemon that draw from the group. I mean, it does make a lot of sense where they take up 40% of the mammal population. So, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. We love having you guys listen. We love doing this for you guys. If you want to support the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Poke on, on Pokemon Science. You can follow us on our Facebook group. Uh, I'll have all the links down below. You guys are more than welcome to follow us there. Ask us any questions you like. You might have seen the update. Uh, pretty soon, we'll be changing up the name from the Science of Pokemon to Poke Science to avoid the wonderful lawyers of Nintendo should we ever get famous enough for them to notice us. You can never be too prepared. Yeah, they'd really put a row dent in our bank accounts. Just do your news bit, Skippy. Just... Just do your news bit. <laughs> just, just, do, just talk about your thing. I'm sorry. That was terrible. Um, You're not anyway. Sorry. Keep going. I'm not. But anyway, so less terrible news than that pun. We are going cruising nicely into the playoffs in the uh, UPPL Podcasters Pokemon League. Yeah. We went undefeated through the entirety of the sort of I guess Swiss rounds, I guess you could say. Um, with solid 11 and 0, and uh, good enough to clinch the bye as first seed. So we are skipping the first round of playoffs and going straight into semifinals next week. It's almost as if a specialized fist scientist, a neuroscience major, and a guy who specializes in teaching the public and coming up with weird, creative ways to do it can come up with a pretty decent set of strategies. Oh, yes. Uh, the last thing, if you guys didn't pick it up, we actually um, we started a Patreon, and we also started selling shirts. So I'll link those in the bottom as well. Um, the Patreon is meant to that way. Uh, we currently we pay a lot out of pocket to keep the episodes up and running. We don't put those bills pile up over the years. Uh, I'll put the Patreon thing down. If you can just give a dollar, that's all. I, I don't want to ask for too much. Again, I love that you guys listen. I love that you guys care enough to keep coming back with a lot of you. A lot of you are really passionate about the show, and I really appreciate it. Um, if you guys can find the time and cash to help us out, we appreciate it. We have shirts. If you would like to strap on a shirt from us, we'd also appreciate it. Well, we have our Incineroar shirt from the UPPL League. We have our Signs of Pokemon shirts. Uh, we're hoping to get some new designs in the future. So please, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, all right. You got anything else, Don? Anything good for you? Any any last notes? Uh, not really. Um, just thank everybody for listening. All right, guys. So tune in next time. Our next episode will actually be focusing on Pokemon abilities and the difference between Adaption versus Acclimation. Okay, guys. We'll see you later. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good one.